Welcome to Generous Impact. My name is Brett Brummett. And my name is Amanda Brummett. We are joined today by Kevin Reikley and Allianz Samaragua of More Than Welcome. Kevin is the president of the board and Allianz is the executive director and a good friend of Brett's. They help refugees and asylum seekers successfully transition into the community and make them feel more than welcome in the process. In this episode, you'll hear Allianz's own refugee story, whereby trying to make his own country more peaceful, he was tortured, left for dead, and eventually made his way to Austin, Texas, where he now makes refugees feel more than welcome. Well, Allianz and Kevin, thank you so much for being here today with Brett and I. We really appreciate your time. I would love for both of you to give the audience a little bit of background on yourself personally. We'll get into more than welcome in a second, but let's start with you guys personally. And Allianz, can you go first? Yeah, so my name is Alian Samragua. I've been in EOS almost 10 years now and then originally from Burundi. And then, yeah, I live here in, in Austin, Texas. I really love it. And that is a French accent we hear. Can you explain that? Correct. Yes, in Burundi, we are Belgium colony. People speak French and then, yeah, I, I do speak French. So yeah, actually, I started to learn English when I moved here in the US, which means like almost 10 years ago. That's where I started to learn. So before I came here in the US, I couldn't speak English. So I think the, the word that I knew when before I came was yes. That's the word that I knew before <laughs> I came. <laughs> so yeah, so that's French. But yes, that's French accent. Awesome. I love it. Kevin, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, thank you guys for having us on today. My name is Kevin Reikley, and uh, I only speak English and uh, some Spanglish. So uh, <laughs> Allianz has, has has me beat. I think he speaks five or six languages. It's unbelievable. But uh, yeah, so uh, yeah, I'm a, a software executive by trade and have lived in Austin for about 25 years. And so a long time. And Met uh, Alliance about three years ago, and my wife and I and our, our kiddos have a heart for the nations. And uh, met Alliance and and started dreaming about more than welcome a couple of years ago, and and here we are today. So excited to share a little bit more with you guys. Fantastic. Well, thank you for joining us. And one thing that I I want to ask you, Kevin, to explain before we even get into more than welcome, because I didn't understand the difference is what's a refugee. And what's an asylum seeker, just so everybody knows? Yeah, it's a great question. And it's one that's often uh, confused amongst people. Uh, Essentially, an asylum seeker is someone that is seeking international protection from from dangers that they're experiencing in their country. Uh, But they they haven't been uh, determined legally uh, a refugee in the United States. So they really have no governmental support when they when they arrive here, whereas a refugee before they leave the country of origin uh, will get status. And and then the government, U.S. government will bring them over and provide some governmental support for them. So at the highest level, that's that's the difference between the two. Okay. And specifically, you mentioned escaping something dangerous. So if I'm looking for work or I just want a a better life, I don't qualify as an asylum seeker or refugee, right? You would be potentially categorized as an immigrant. I mean, immigrant is more of an umbrella term, but yeah, there are a lot of people that come to the U.S. just seeking a better life for themselves, whereas asylum seekers truly are fleeing from some sort of persecution. As, as it would. Yeah, fantastic. Mm-hmm. And so, Allianz, I know for you, 
you went through this journey and obviously i think it makes it a lot of sense to share a little bit of the background of your personal story because it informs more than welcome plus all the work you've been doing over the past better part of that decade that you got here um so what for you what was the condition you were running from or escaping from i I know a little bit but i want everyone else to know too so in burundi we have a wall they've been for decade decade between hutu and tutsi so i was you know maybe so this was started probably 1960 so just born where you between there's a really a hate people could kill each other between hutu and tutsi for many years so just grow up in that kind of environment where we see people hate each other, kill each other between someone who's I am Hutu and I'm Tutsi. So that was kind of environment that I grew up in. And then this was really hard and then very terrible to keep to see people dying because some because I, I am Tutsi or I'm I'm Hutu. So that was the environment we and I grew up. And then so when uh, in 20, 20, um, uh, 12, there was a this moment uh, that started where we wanted to bring Hutu and Tutsi to live in peace, that we can start to have a better country where no one is dying because it is Hutu, is Tutsi. Then we start to kind of have a campaign where we wanted to bring Burundian people to live in better country. And then so that movement that in democracy, that was the, the name of that movement. And then and then so we started to doing it. And then eventually people in in Burundi started to love that, start to really really want to be a part of that. And then so we started doing that. So the head of the the head of the person who was leading that. He even, he even wanted to even to run the, for the, the president that can really bring to bring Burundian together. So then when he started doing that, we wanted we support him. But doing that, the government didn't really like that at all because they start to see how Burundian people love that, really wanted to be part of that. And then and automatically, they saw like if the person who's going, if the that that person is going to run to be president, he'll be elected, and then because people would love because they start to see Burundi people love that, and then they wanted to to stop that to stop everyone who was supporting him, and then so that that was I was in part of that that people was targeting so. One day, one day morning, all these people came in my ha- uh, my parent house where I was living, and then to- they took me at the uh, at the police station. So, get tortured for three days uh, for four days, and then those to- because they would ask me who's the pr- why am I supporting him or, or uh, who's the person I am with that they can go. I'll catch after the, uh, catch them as well, and then so they will like ask me those questions uh, and then torture me. So on the fourth days that because the the torture was so high, I even like passed out, and then looked like I was passed. I, I was dead. So 
on the fourth days, that's where they took me at the river that no one, like when, at least when they found my body, they would thought that I was, I was, I was dead by the, I was drawn. So that's why they took me at the river. So when I was in the river, on the border of the river, that uh, there's a person who was going walk walk by and then saw me. Tried to to, to contact my parent. Tried to talk to anyone who knows me that they can come to rescue me. But thank God, I think my mom she it was a nurse and then she came and tried to uh, help me as she can. A few days recover a bit. My parent was they was scared to death and then they because of they were scared like if they the government they were knew if I'm still alive, they may come back again to me. And then they sent me in Uganda. So in Uganda, I was uh, a refugee for three months. But after that, the government started to know that there's a Burundian from from our our movement that they were in Uganda. So they come after us in Uganda. The mission was like, if they find anyone, they will kill them on the spot and no one will know what happened. So when I heard that, I stayed hidden. But I was like, I don't know how long we, they were still around, but I chose to go back in Burundi. That if at least if something happened, my parents will know what, what happened to me. So... I went back in my home. When I went back home, my parents was was scared. They like we don't know what to do. That's what they brought the family. So when the the family was like, what should we do? That's what one of my uncle brothers. Let's try to apply for some visa to see which country can get him a visa. So that's where like I get in a U.S. visa. And then that's I can tell always tell like is a really miracle of God because usually to get US visa is really hard. It's the hardest maybe visa to get. And then from some miracle, I get that visa. So when I get that visa, so that's where I came in US in 2014. Yeah, that's where I landed in US. But when I came here, it's another story because that's where I start to seek asylum. So I almost most two years without knowing where, where to live, without knowing like how to eat. And then also those two years I was seeking asylum. I didn't, you know, I couldn't speak English. I didn't have any person help me to apply my asylum. So it was like a journey. So that's after those two years of seeking asylum, that's where my heart started to really wanted to serve other refugees and asylum seekers because I realize how hard it is to become an asylum seeker or refugee in the US. So, and I want to, it's a great story. And we go back. And so, from the time when you were sought out, were you part of like the political movement or were you just in like the volunteer state? What, what made you the target? Because I think that helps us like really understand other asylum seekers. Right. So, yes, I was a part of, yes, because uh, that movement, it became political because. The we because the goal we want to bring Burundian people together, and then I was helping the person who was in the head of that movement, that movement, and then so 
the government wanted to stop everyone who was helping the the, the person to 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 run for become a president. That's why they pulled you out of your family house and no one else. Was the rest of your family part of that movement? Or no, I was the only one. Yes. I'm assuming there's not a lot of contact once you're essentially on the run or in no. Yeah. And then once you get to the States, you said you didn't you like know the language, didn't know the system, where to live. What is that like the day you enter to where you're finding you a spot to sleep the first time? What does that look like? That's a good question. Yes, that's a good question. Because literally when you are sick, when you are running, when you are running for your life, you just run and you completely don't know how it's going to be tomorrow. Literally it's like, tomorrow by tomorrow. So when I came here, I was really fortunate to have a person who who I ended up knowing that uh, when I came, he, he I, I, for me, I thought he can help me for to come to, to, to you know, to see us, uh, to be in this journey. But after, you know, he, he you know, he helped me, to, you know, he was there for the airport, but he's like, hey, after one week, I was like, he was like, hey, this is it. The, the only thing I wanted to help you is just to, I mean, to help you to get here. And then that's it. Wow. And then I was, and then at the time I was 21 or 22. And then I was like, wow. And he gave me, he gave me a few days, like literally, but because I get here was probably Monday and he's like, next Monday, you have to be out of my house. And then that's it. I was like, that was like where I feel like I was like, I don't know what to do now. And then, and are, and are you, do you have money at this point? Are you able to make money? No, no. So yeah. when you are asylum seeker, you are no eligible to work until you apply your asylum. And then after applying for asylum, you can be eligible to, uh, when you don't hear from the immigration, after five months, you can apply for uh for for a work permit but before that you cannot you cannot work so typically that, that i'm not have money and i know i'm eligible to work because that after it took me almost two years to to be able to apply for my work permit wow. so you can't even apply to work until you've been here for five months yes um no i was eligible to because to, for seeking asylum and to apply, it took me one year and a half. And then after one year, that one year and a half, that's where I was able to have eligibility to apply for my work permit. So between the time you arrive, your adjustment, you're you're brought in, you've got someone to greet you, and then you've got to figure out the whole system on your own. Um, no, I'm assuming not not a lot of resources of any kind. No, like, is that a is that a typical story, or an atypical story? That typical story for an asylum because there is not nothing that is there for an asylum seeker. Why they seek through the day are seeking asylum here? And, well, and find- add to that that they've just incurred a trauma. If, if they've mm-hmm. gone through something, like, I mean, I feel like as an yes. American, like if we'd gone through something like that, I'd get six months off work just to get my life straight. Yes. Wow. 
-hmm. Yes. Yes. And so do you find other refugees, other asylum seekers that essentially teach you how to live in a subculture of you know, like employment, money, food, housing, shelter? Yes. We, you asked me if we still have some refugee who are. Well, I mean, like when you when you went through that, like how fast were you able to connect to other people that were going on the same thing? While I was going through that, uh, I think I didn't know. I didn't know where to find other refugees or I didn't know where, you know, it was completely hard to find like where, like, where other, because I feel like, as you say, if you know someone, if you have other refugees, if you have that may probably be better. But I, I think it took me probably a year, in a year and a half just to find other probably refugee who can help me a little bit. And so is this, I mean, your journey, is this what the catalyst for you to start more than welcome? Was the the refugee part or is it deeper than that? So um, just maybe quick version. So after that two years seeking asylum, it, I started to, you know, to because after getting my work permit and I started to, it, just to figure out a little bit in, in my life a little bit, I really went back just to start to, to serve refugees, to help the, the little experience probably I know or where I can point to. I started to doing that and then like I doing that for five years by my own and then just to help them to serve them as much as I can. That was probably uh, my you know, my my small, like, ability to do, that been for five years. And then after the five years, I started uh, to be a residency at my church, the church I go uh, to, Gateway Church. So when I was doing my residency, and then I did the residency, and then after, and then even I get hired at, at Gateway, started to work. And that's where, I, you know, I met Kevin, and then because Kevin go to another church called Wayside. So in the Wayside, they like every fifth of Sunday, they usually do like community service. And then in that community service, they are we, you know, they I mean they really serve refugees. So and then through those, that's why I met with Kevin. And then when I met with Kevin, that's where we start to dream about more than welcome, how we can create a space where many many church or many people in the Austin area, many like because I feel like what we uh, what we experienced with Kevin and I is like there are many people here in Austin don't know what's going on, don't know about refugees, don't know about uh, don't know about uh, a sum seeker, and then that's why like, hey, how can we create a space where uh, we can we can we can bring community? Really, we want to create community between uh, refugees and uh, people from Austin. We can come become one, and then because we believe here in Austin, there are people who would love to. To, to serve, to love refugee, but don't know how. And then how can you create a space that they can come and then we can uh, we can show where a refugee or some seeker were there. And then there are many also refugees and some seeker create, wanted to 
meet people from Austin, but don't know how. So how can, and then, so it's, it's like just literally to become a hub where refugees or people from Austin really want to, you know, to, to, uh, to serve and then they can come to, to us. So that's where, uh, we, that's where we started more than welcome. Fantastic. And Kevin, from, from your aspect of organization and the board, what, what does more than welcome do today? Yeah, it's a, it's a spectrum of things. If you can imagine just from Allianz's story for someone arriving in Austin, Texas, and, and they don't know where to live or where to get food or how to apply for status or how to get their kids enrolled in school, uh, let alone, you know, learn how to speak English, which is very difficult. Um, we, we really saw this as a way to uh, create an organization that comes alongside asylum seekers and refugees. And, and really what we're wanting them to do is not, not just survive when they get here, but to build a life where they can actually thrive in our community. And, and thriving to us, yes, it, it does mean me- meeting basic needs and things like that, but they really, really want to build uh, meaningful friendships and community when they get here. A lot of them have experienced trauma and then they're completely isolated uh, in their apartments because they don't have any friends or they don't have transportation or, or whatever that is, or don't speak the language and they're, they're kind of scared to, to uh, you know, talk or in, engage with others. And so we really want to form relationships and community for them. Um, but as Allianz said, we also just want to be sort of a centralized hub where refugees and asylum seekers can uh, can come to get to get help and to get care. And and so the way we kind of see that is um, almost like, it, you know, Uber if, if is just a platform, right, that sits in the middle and somebody wants a ride and somebody wants to give a ride. What we're, what we're endeavoring to do is unite volunteers and churches um, so we can have a lot of people that are engaged around this and, and willing to help this population and, and get involved. And then on the other side, we really want to de- uh, go deep and understand the needs of these people when they come to us. So, you know, the example I always give is um, if you think about somebody that just arrives in Pflugerville, Texas, and maybe they spent, speak French like Allianz, and they've got three kids. And by trade, let's say they were a teacher back in their home country. If we had a bunch of volunteers lined up and gave us a lot of their information, like we could potentially find someone that that is a teacher that has kids that may speak French that lives in the Pflugerville area. And if we were able to intentionally match those people to come alongside, like how much deeper is that relationship from day one than just saying, hey, this random person, go meet with this family and and we don't, you know, don't train them or anything like that. So we are endeavoring to train and educate on the front end of this as well. But we really, you know, it's 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 everything, Brett, to your to your question. It's it's learning them ESL classes, it is applying for benefits, it's helping them enroll their kids in school, it's educating them on how to use the the public transportation system, it's helping them to find employment, write resumes. Um I was just sitting with a friend today, helping him apply for his U.S. citizenship. So um, it, it's a lot of things, and, and more than welcome. Uh, it's also probably important to say we're not trying to provide all of these services for people. 
So Allianz and I are also having a lot of conversations with partner organizations. So kind of, we call it like a hub and a spoke model, but building out all these partners that can provide services. So we've got two uh, medical providers that, that provide free healthcare for refugees and asylum seekers um, lined up so that when they, those families come to us, we can, we can point them to these, uh, this organizations that provide free care. You know, Cap Metro has given us a lot of free bus passes, for instance, um, that we can give out to, uh, to refugees and asylum seekers that need to use the bus to get to, to school or to get to English class or to get to their, to get to their job. And, and one other thing I would say too is, is the way we, we talk a lot about asylum seekers, but refugees, while they do are recognized by the government and they come here, typically only receive about three months of support. And then they're kind of launched, if you will. <laughs> and, and if you think about all the things Allianz described in his story, three months is, is a blink of an eye. And you're, you're not very far down the road in terms of thriving in Austin, Texas. And so we really want to also come alongside the refugees as they come out of the government support stage and, and into the, the Austin, living in Austin and thriving in Austin stage. Um, so it's a little bit about uh, more than welcome than what we're doing today. What a beautiful organization. And I love that you're not just providing services, that you are truly trying to make these people feel welcome and feel like they're in a community. Um, I am curious, Kevin, you mentioned a couple other organizations. Um, are there other places in Austin that offer similar services to More Than Welcome? World Relief is an organization that we partner with, and they have just been approved to accept refugees as they land in Austin and to provide that first three months of support to them. And so that's been a huge win. Uh, we've been tracking along with World Relief for a couple of years now, and uh, they did not have a presence in Austin, uh, but we were praying and hoping that they would. And so now they do. And so that's an organization, again, that's helping the refugees on the front end. There are, uh, like, like for instance, Allianz uh, at Gateway, uh, his church has a group that, that goes out and, and serves the asylum seekers and uh, the refugees. And so there are churches in Austin that, that do provide some of these services. Uh, but what, like I said, what we're trying to do is, is trying to unite all the churches and all the volunteers that are interested in doing this, where they have an easy place to come to, to see what the needs are. And we can help facilitate those more intentional relationships uh, from the get-go and, and build that community uh, quicker and deeper. So, so yeah, it, uh, hopefully that helps. There's, there, there are some pockets of, of uh, things that are happening, uh, but we saw a need to, to really try to centralize the, the effort here. Yeah, absolutely. And so uh, sort of going back a little bit, because Allianz, you shared a little bit on your timeline. How long do people typically need help through an organization like More Than Welcome? How long does it take from the day you can go from asylum seeker to refugee? And and going back to the work part, I, my mind is blown, you know, because you hear people say all the time, oh, well, they should just go get a job, which it sounds like most refugees would love to do. So. Yeah. Can Absolutely. you kind of walk us through what a typical timeline is there? Yes, definitely. So as probably even maybe uh, just uh, to go back a little bit, as Kevin mentioned, so more than welcome right now, more than welcome is like the only organization right now that's serving asylees because there's, you know, maybe what they leave 
they probably serve refugees, but most of the time, like as some like more than one comes like only organization that's serving asylees. So for to make to, to your point, so as some seeker, I mean from the day one here they arrive here to where they can apply. Because uh first and foremost, they you know mm, they need a, a a lawyer who can help them to apply asylum. So most of the time so working with a lawyer only sometimes can take you between um between eight and 12 months working on your case because most of the time your your uh, lawyer or yes you see for, there's a time that, you know there's a process to to find a lawyer and then when you find a lawyer it's a time to meet with you know to meet with with uh, with a lawyer and then to start to work with that that lawyer just to and then literally that can take you between uh 12 months on that and then after you submit your 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 case you have to wait if you don't hear from the immigration you have to wait another five months so when you when you wait that five months and then if you don't hear anything from the uh from the from the government you you are eligible to apply your permit. So when after those five months, you have to have other three months. Those, that usually that's a window that you get your work permit. Those after those three months. But some because so after COVID things change. You know, before COVID, you probably have like a window for three months that we were usually can get work permit. But after COVID, because I think the many cases, I think now you can have another five months. To get your work permit, so that's uh, that's the window for. It's like it's twelve months, five months, seventeen months, and then after that's it. And then other three months is like twenty months, just to get your work permit if you don't hear from the government. So typically, it's twenty months uh, when you are on unknown journey. From from that point, I mean, you've got to have a lot of skills learned of survival you're out there helping through that time process i mean i know you've told me in that you were depressed through that area and felt very alone and isolated so like that's driving you to create more than welcome and come along and build the community how how many of you do we need <laughs> wow that's a great question so I feel like I'm I'm okay. Hmm. I think let me I want to mention something here. I feel like through this journey, I met with great people, really great people. And one of them is like Kevin. I think Kevin right now is like the reason why we even start with modern work because what I was doing myself, I won't, you know, there is no way I probably keep that 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 journey and then be effective but i think right now with more than coming the way we wanted to do it we you know we want to to bring many caseworker i think we get there at some point we that way we can uh, uh multiply our effort because what i was doing myself yes is you know but i feel like literally through this journey i've met with people you know really great people that came 
that we can continue to serve together. And then that's why even right now, we're getting a point where we want to multiply our effort that, you know, I can't know, you know, doing that myself because with myself, I can't, we can't have many, you know, we can have big impact, but right now we want to really have a big impact and then that we can, either, you know, we we'll continue to serve really well our refugees and our Sam seeker. Also in the same time, you know, we can create a space for people from in our community that they can come alongside. So just to, just to put some concrete numbers around that, we've got hundreds of families right now that need assistance. Uh, we've done sort of the calculation on the time period, time that, that a caseworker would need to dedicate per family. And they could probably handle about 20 families concurrently. And so to answer your questions, we need 10 plus alliances. <laughs> uh, and, and there's more there's more people that are coming that need assistance. And so, uh, you know, right now, Allianz and I are working to fundraise uh, for more than welcome. But, you know, we really could hire several caseworkers right now and still be understaffed to meet the need uh, for the, the people that are even on our just on our radar uh, right now, currently. And so I know you're doing as much as you can with volunteers, you know, mm -hmm. sweat labor time. What are you doing to, number one, find those volunteers, finding people to come alongside? And then how are you keeping them from, you know, being burned out? Oh, wow. That's great. I feel like uh, one thing, probably one thing I do for, I, I mean, one thing I probably do for volunteers is to make sure that first and foremost, they're doing okay. Because uh, that's, mm, I mean, I'm not, I mean, I'm trying to do really great on that part, but I feel like to be able to serve, you you know, you have to be kind of, you know, maybe doing okay. And then I'm trying my best to make sure that, you know, asking, check on them, to make sure that they, you know, how they are, you know, at least that I, we can keep in touch with them, but also at the same time, sharing how stories sharing how you know because right now we share like our newsletter you know we keep make sure that they know what's going on and then they still like you know like they still like be aware like what uh you know that what they're doing is impacting people's life you know literally is like everything if you you know everything you do is like impacting someone's life is like and then try to make sure that is keep alive and then i think and then also you know and then um you know also you ask me how can we find the volunteers we you know we ask people around our friends people that we've go to church that they can you know i mean we still try to you know bring ask people that can come along with side and then also to make sure that you know we still like encourage them and also make sure that they're taking care of yes i don't know if kevin you want to add something from that yeah we we've met with over a dozen churches uh to talk about more than welcome and to to explain uh, the opportunity uh, for their people to come alongside what god is doing in austin texas and so that's also, they've been very excited to, to share some of that information with their congregations, to put that in some of their newsletters. I think one church is actually having uh, kind of a partner fair that we've been invited to, where we can go and set up a table and explain what we do. And so there's various avenues that we're seeking um, to, to wrangle up volunteers. And I would just follow up on uh, inspiration. I would say just having done this firsthand, Allianz and I have both 
kind of been in the trenches on some of these cases. Like when you see small wins, man, it puts the wind in your sails. Um, when the kids go to school for the first day or they get a job, you know, and they're so excited. It, and it may be a job like we talked about before. It may be washing dishes, um, but they're so happy to be gainfully employed. And so just the, the excitement, and the passion that they have for the small wins that they get really fuels the volunteers. Um, it makes you feel like you're making a, a really meaningful difference in somebody's life. So, Kevin, I, I think I caught you saying earlier that you were helping a friend apply for citizenship, which to me sounds like a huge win. Um, you guys have yes. shared so many unique things about your organization. What 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 are you most proud of? Oh, goodness. I think it's the stories. Um, you know, when we've we have some dear friends, Allianz obviously is one of my best friends, but we have other friends that have become uh, part of our church. They've become part of our friend group. Uh, you know, I, I always tell this this story. We um, we met an asylum seeker and she was having a baby. She didn't really know anything about having a baby or what she needed to have the baby. And so uh, our church ended up throwing her a baby shower, which we didn't think much of at the time. Uh, but it was a great celebration, and she learned how to put a diaper on her baby and swaddle a baby and all these things. Um, it had such a meaningful impact on her, that small act, that she named the baby after my wife. <laughs> so it's it's like, it, it's, you know, so those kind of things, like you, you, you don't, in your mind, you don't think they're that big of a deal. But to these people, it is an, an incredible blessing. And so I think just for us, you know, the winds have been those kind of moments where you're like, goodness gracious, we are, we are really um, changing some lives here. Uh, so it's, it's really fun to do that. Allianz, I don't know if you would add anything to that. Yeah, I feel like for me, it's like, uh, as probably what Kevin mentioned, you know, it's like where you see people are very desperate and then when you, when you made them feel like they either they way, you know, they the, they were hopeless. They were, but after serving them, after and then after a few days, we start to see like, like, um, like a smile on their face. You feel like they still have hope. They still feel like mm-hmm. because when they come in this land, they may, they come with the unknowns. Like how, why are we gonna be able to find you know people gonna serve that? So, you know, so just you see after a few days and a few months and years that you know. You know, sharing uh, how you know how grateful they are. You know, literally, you know, something I usually ter- share our volunteers most of the time because here when you know someone it, our volunteer when go to serve, they usually like oh they always think like oh what should I do what should I do what should I do which is great but most of the times like your presence you know you coming to like to the apartment. That that means a lot for them, you know, because oh wow, there is someone who cares. There is someone who's here for me, and then that only that pact really really touch their heart. They feel like like so, and then to hear those stories, like oh, I never see someone from Austin will come to to see me. Will never come to just to my apartment. To so to hear those story, to hear how. They have smiled, how they have hope. That's like, oh, things gonna be okay. It may, you know, so to hear that, to hear that they have hope, then see. So that's 
you know, I feel like every time make us like really wanted to do it again. So I think that inspired us again to keep going at. That is so heartwarming. And Alliance, as somebody who lives in a world of key performance indicators, I'm going to remember next time that smiles matter <laughs> and that we can measure success by that. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yes. Well, you guys have done such a good job of explaining what a beautiful organization you've put together. And I know you're still a new organization, but I can tell by your passion that you're moving fast mm. and improving things. So what's next for More Than Welcome? Yeah, well, uh, as I mentioned, we're out fundraising right now to um, to to bring on our first caseworker. Uh, we've been lucky to have a uh, a donor give us a, an office, so we've set up an office recently here in Austin, and we actually they also gave us an apartment where we where we put a, a family from Angola a couple of weeks ago. So that was a beautiful thing, um, and so we just continue to. Uh, do the best we can with our volunteer staff right now to understand the needs of what's going on and serve the people that we've been serving. And then, as I mentioned, we're meeting a lot with partners and church organizations around Austin, trying to build up our partner network right now. So a lot going on. Uh, Allianz, I'll let you chime in. You're you're also busy these days. Yeah. But, you know, I feel like as Kevin mentioned, literally right now we, we are trying to do our best to really fund uh, fund, uh, fundraising that we can hire our caseworker and then also we are trying to really we are looking for volunteers as well you know because as so i think uh that's uh, uh you know as much we want to we we are fundraising also we still have many need you know also that's why I'm, we are so so thankful for our volunteer staff that I do the best to do, you know, right now. But also in the same time, we 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 feel like you know can be hard at some point because the needs keep growing it, but without having a, maybe a caseworker, and then that it make us a bit harder. So I think right now we really, really like wanted to move forward just to fundraising that we can hire, and then also we can continue to serve. Because literally right now, even yesterday, even tomorrow, we have like many families who are coming in our office to meet that we they can talk to us. And then really like having many families and then that need a lot of support and you know but so but very short because we don't have our caseworker people can help us to to do that so really we want to we wanted to do that they were able to have to hire and then continue to serve and love our, our friend refugee and asylum seeker that's amazing so you know, we've invited you guys because obviously you guys inspire us. You, you know, <laughs> the work, the mission, the smiles. Um, you guys have it all the time in abundance, which is amazing given the all you go through. Um, but we want to just know, like, for for Alliance, for you, and for Kevin, for you, like, who whose work is inspiring you these days? Alliance is. <laughs> I, tell, I tell him all the time I'm his biggest fan, and and like four or five people oh, will argue me over it. They'll, they'll fight me. Those are fighting words for some people. But I mean, truly, truly, I'm so inspired by Allianz when I met him three years ago. Uh, just his heart for other people is unlike anybody's heart I've ever seen before. Um, you know, he could be completely focused on building a life for himself here 
and, and doing things, but he selflessly serves um, um, every single day, every single day for, for others. And so, I mean, truly, I mean, I've told him this off camera before, but uh, you know, I'll tell him on camera. I'm just, he is, he is a true inspiration to me. So thank you, Kevin. Wow. I don't know <laughs> now, but <laughs> I think for me, I feel like, okay. As probably mentioned, literally, I am inspired. One thing maybe because all those two years, maybe that the reason I didn't, you know, I didn't say many details that I think I really met a great, great person in my journey. And then to see when I was in that, that you know, that journey seeking asylum, I feel like it, there is a many people who touch my life and then who in you know, I met and then, you know, but also I think that was, they were, I don't know, they were doing a lot in, in me just to get, you know, to me, to like what, you know, people I met in my journey here in the US, but serving me, it was amazing. I think that inspired me, but, to, you know, to see how, you know, just how can you meet with someone in a stranger and bless you or do something and then, so I feel like, and then, so till that journey, till now, uh, there is a great, great people that I usually met. And as, as I mentioned, Kevin is like one of the person that, I don't know, still like since day one of May until now, he's, you know, the way, you know, he, you know, him and his family, the way they love and serve refugee, but with other many people too as well. I feel like all those things that it will encourage me just to keep, doing it because like hey there is a we you know let's let's keep doing this what we're doing it it's like literally I, i'm my i, I try to tell myself let me do my part you know it's like let me do my part as like to you know but also i feel like that it there is a great example that god provide my life that can keep looking at on it and then that helped me to keep moving so that really i think the community, people around me, really great, have like a great impact and then continue to inspire me. Beautiful. Well, Kevin, Alliance, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to be on the podcast today. And thank you so much for your hearts to make refugees feel more than welcome in Austin, Texas. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank for you having for having us. Yeah, it was wonderful to be with you guys today. Thank great. you. Thank you. Wow, Kevin and Allianz are doing some amazing things for refugees and asylum seekers. I don't think they specifically said this in the show, so I want to. Allianz has personally helped over 1,000 refugees. That's a huge number. I cannot imagine escaping a dangerous situation only to land in a country where I didn't speak the language, have no place to stay, and have no way of earning a living. I also had no idea that the process was so long for people to get refugee status and even a work permit. Well, I'm thankful that people like Allianz and Kevin have a heart for this work and have created More Than Welcome. If you want to learn more about their work, check them out at morethanwelcome.org.